Enrollment is open right now. Enrollment is open until the 7th of July. Yeah, and then the doors will close until I'm thinking November. The doors will close until November or, or October. And yeah, I have 10 slots available. So it's still a 12 month, a 12 week program. It's still a three month program, but you would have a call with me every other week and you would have like do it at your own pace modules, which I think is better. I definitely thought that my ideal crowd was going to be sort of like late 20s. I was kind of imagining like the late 20s corporate girlies who are like over corporate girly life. And they were like, I just want to go live by a beach somewhere and like wear a bikini and work a few hours a day <laughs> from my laptop and make enough to like continue um, traveling around. Funnily enough, that got blown out of the water because the first client I signed was a woman in her mid 50s. Welcome to the Winging It Travel podcast with me, James Hammond, where every Monday I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, traveler, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. This is a casual, informative podcast designed for you to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode where I'm joined back on by Jet Setter Julia, who runs the business Nomad in the Making. Since the last time we spoke last year, I feel like there's been a lot to catch up on, so I'm super excited about that. There's a lot of stuff going on in Julia's life with business and travel, and also mine with travel as well. So we're going to talk about all of that, but also mostly about Nomad in the Making. So Julia, welcome back on the show. How are you doing? Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Good to see you. Good to see you. So where in the world are you right now? I'm actually home in London right now. I'm in my high school bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Catch up in old times, yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Every time I come back here, it's only for a couple of weeks at most, which is like a huge, like privilege to have for sure it's weird because it's like a new version of me is in this room always but the room is always the same so that's kind of uh, trippy that's kind of um profound <laughs> it's what, like 30 seconds in and we've gone in <laughs> real deep <laughs> and you where are you uh i am in back in vancouver yeah just before our okay road trip to start us next week so you've also done a bit of a full loop because last time we talked you were also in vancouver but this was pre quitting Pre-trip. the job and <laughs> traveling long term full time yes and now you're, you've done that and now you're back where you were in the previous cycle <laughs> yeah so th- well this is the new phase of the trip because uh-huh. the first five months is always gonna be backpacking and then the next phase is a road trip across Canada because we've not seen it so that was the always going to be the plan and uh, so we're here mm-hmm. for the summer and in US as well if the car survives so we're doing a loop cool ah and how long are you planning to do that four or five months in that ballpark oh my god amazing in like a camper van or just like a normal car camper van it's sleep you can sleep in it so uh we'll see how that goes <laughs> nice and did you build it out yourself or is this like a did you buy one or are you renting one i guess uh, renting one for four months would be quite silly no yeah that'd be pricey especially in this day and age but no we bought yeah. it real real cheap so before covid and before everything went crazy we bought it for two and a half thousand dollars and the girl who we bought it off was australian yeah, two and a half thousand. Yeah, I can't believe it. That is so good. <laughs> it's worth triple what? now in the market. Yeah, the guy at the garage told me the other day. Yeah, she bought it off a New Zealand couple who are planning to go to Alaska in it. They got out the back and built it all, but he must have been or she 
must have been a carpenter because the way they've carved all the shelves and the bed fold the bed out and fits underneath each other it's just really well done mm-hmm. they left because of covid they went back home to new zealand and she left because of covid to go back to new, uh, australia so yeah we took off their hands and mm-hmm. made a few modifications but yeah it's gone through the service and it's ready to go that's amazing so that's, that's so lucky <laughs> i think it's lucky because it's lasted it's obviously nothing wrong with it and also just having that all built out the back is is very very lucky i do appreciate that yeah really well done and we love it yeah, it's great. Yeah, so that's where I am at. Let's start with you. Let's do with travels because we'll come on to Nomad in the Making in a bit. So last time yeah. I spoke to you, where were you last time? You were planning or on the cusp of going to Argentina. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Last time we spoke, I was in Edinburgh. Ah, that's it. Yes. In Edinburgh, I was at my sister's house. And yes. I was, I had just come back from Indonesia because we spoke about Bali. Yes. Um, so I had come back from Indonesia. I guess that must have been October then. Yeah. And so I was, yeah, I was about to go to Argentina. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Well, so since then, should I do a little like catch up? Please. Okay, so since then yeah. I went to Argentina, met back up with the boy that I went back for. He's actually in my room right now with me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that, yeah, that was dope. We spent two months almost um, hitchhiking from Santiago de Chile, yeah. all the way up uh, across to Mendoza in Argentina, and then all the way up the Route 40 to um, La Quiaca, which is the northernmost point. It's like on the border with Bolivia. Okay. I don't know if it's technically northernmost, maybe because like there's another province on the other side of the country that's even more northern, I think, potentially. But anyway, it's on the border with Bolivia. So this whole point was to do the Route 40 from Ushuaia all the way in the south to La Quiaca. And so we finished that um, together, which was cool. And then we went to his hometown for Christmas as a complete surprise and surprised his family and everything. Lots of tears, lots of joy, did Christmas, New Year. And we were only supposed to stay for a month. And then our plan was to leave in early February to head towards Brazil. So go across the coast of Uruguay and then follow the coast of Brazil all the way up to Sao Paulo. And from Sao Paulo, we had a flight to Europe. So um, that was the plan. But what happened in the meantime was we actually ended up spending four months in his hometown um because uh we were working on getting all the paperwork together for him to do his italian citizenship so that took ages and obviously you never really know what you're doing when you do anything like that so in retrospect we could have done it much more efficiently and also he didn't even have to be physically present for any of it so we could have left but we didn't know that so anyway Uh. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't we didn't end up seeing uruguay we did end up go to, going to brazil but only for two weeks um mm-hmm. and it was fun and then from there we flew to portugal we spent a week in portugal very much in vacation mode and then have been in london since wow that's a bit of a year yeah, yeah that's so that's been what like eight months yeah <laughs> crikey and yeah. That, that first part of the trip that was hitchhiking right yes yes um, that was all hitchhiking can you maybe tell listeners what was that like hitchhiking in well, yeah, South America as a, as a whole, but you done obviously Argentina and say Chile as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was really fun. I mean, it was really fun. We had hitchhiked together previously for a month when I was in Argentina the first time when we mm. met, um, and it was it was great. I mean, I I think I can't speak for the whole of South America because I haven't experienced it, but in Argentina at least, it seems like hitchhiking is very normalized in a way that it's not in Europe. It's kind of like a very I would say common way for people to get around people who are traveling to get around 
I don't know if that's fully just culturally or because it's a very like social culture and a very like, yeah, just a very social culture yeah, in a way that yeah, yeah. I feel like British culture is not. <laughs> um, so people are like happy to talk to strangers and like happy for you to like get in their car and share mate and like just talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, so I don't know if it's cultural or or economic or a mix of both. Um, so yeah, but it's a very sort of accepted way to travel. Like no one sort of bats an eye when you're like, oh yeah, I did it by by hitchhiking. They're like, oh okay, cool. Yeah, I used to do that when I was younger. La la. It's like very casual. Okay. But it was it was really fun. Um, some some days very lucky and very quick uh, pickups, and yeah. some days we had to spend two days under the same tree in the sweltering sun in the desert waiting for a ride. That was intense. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, you usually do get picked up normally, right? That is that does normally happen, right? Always, we've always gotten we've always gotten picked up. Yeah, he did. He did the whole the whole route forty. Um, I was there for bits of it, but like he did the whole thing. Um, wow, it took him just over a year, and he hitchhiked the whole thing, right from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. The only and... exception is like if we end up in a city for some reason, and then you have to like kind of get out of the city to to get onto a highway or something to be able to get a ride. Then you take like a public bus just to get out of the city. But that would be the only exception. Right. Okay. And how's your Spanish? to yeah is it good i would say it's good it, i mean i learned spanish in high school i'd studied it for five years yeah and i was already fluent in french when i was learning spanish which i think made the process way easier yeah so when Andy. i left high school i had a very good spanish level but i left high school and i never used spanish again and like <laughs> nine years passed or something oh <laughs> giving away my age uh <laughs> nine or ten years passed and I went to Argentina for the first time and I was like, I got this. I got this Spanish. I used to be good at Spanish and I pulled it out and it was the rustiest thing ever. And I was like, oh God, I've lost it all. And also Argentinian Spanish is completely different to Spanish from Spain. The accent is different. Intonation is different. Half of the words are different. Expressions mm. are different. Like, so I definitely had an advantage having like the framework, but I, I definitely improved massively. And now people, when I speak Spanish, they're very... Like, it's obvious to them that I'm speaking Argentinian Spanish. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> right. That's interesting because I struggled in Argentina speaking Spanish. Uh, yeah. Mainly not speaking, but understanding. I found those guys just too quick. I couldn't grasp it um, quick enough. Really? Yeah. So, like, Bolivia and uh, further up north was a bit slower. I could just about get by. Yes. But no, mine's real basic. Um, but I had to, oh, learn, okay. had to learn on the go because Bolivia, no one speaks English. Uh, Argentina, I was in the north and Salta, so no one really speaks much English there and yeah, yeah just had to learn it quickly yeah yeah oh nice and what was your impression of um Salta in Bolivia Salta was just on the way really no, I don't want to offend anyone here to northern Chile but the stop over there for three nights was actually pretty incredible we loved it like we had great steak we had uh, great views there's a cable car to the top of the mountain so you got a great view of the city and we loved the vibe. The hostel we stayed in was super trendy. Like there's like little like cobbled streets, and they go around Blue Gate. You know, this is well nice. And I just really want to go back. Like Buenos Aires is high on the list. Buenos Aires is a beast. It's a huge place. Right. Every neighborhood feels completely different. Okay. As if I've been, I haven't been to every single neighborhood, but like <laughs> of the various ones I have been to, the selection I have been to, which were more on the touristy side, obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah, they all have very different vibes, and it. it everyone always is like, "Oh, it feels so." You're actually. I was talking to someone last night about this. They say that it feels very European. And I honestly, I actually felt Salta felt more European than Buenos Aires. Like I get why they say that because some of the buildings have like Parisian influence mm. and things like that. Or actually directly, they were built in Paris and then dismantled and then transported and then rebuilt <gasps> oh, brick wow. by brick in Buenos Aires. Yeah. <laughs> some guy right. on a walking tour told me that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, yeah. but, it, but it also feels very New York. 
because it's like all in blocks. Actually, most places in Argentina are all organized by blocks. And then okay. like the roads are really wide and the cars are like, it's just a lot of car traffic. So it felt US like in that sense. Okay. Um, it definitely felt like a fusion. It wasn't, you weren't getting like the European old town cobblestone street vibes. At right. least not in the parts I was in. <laughs> okay. But I liked uh, it. I like Buenos. It really is a 24-hour city, which is cool. Because yeah. London isn't, but it should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Buenos Aires, you're obviously going to fly into it. <laughs> going to go there. I think Argentina as a country is so big and there's so much to see. I think it's just a country and yeah. a trip in itself. Yeah. So that's the... Yeah, and something about it really, like, we were in Brazil for three days and I was so characteristic. I don't know. It, it really makes you miss it. I heard a saying someone told me about Brazil and Argentina. Something like, I need, I need to get this right. Brazilians party like it's the first day of the universe, but Argentinians party like it's the last day of the universe. I think that's the saying. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that, but I like that. And it's yeah. true. Argentinian people are so lit. Oh, they're the <laughs> littest people ever. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> I love it. We actually just went to a show here on Sunday um like four or five days ago of la renga which is probably the biggest current argentinian rock band okay like when they play in argentina like people are really hardcore into them like they get like tattoos of like <laughs> lyrics and like symbols and all this kind of stuff and people camp out like a few days or weeks before the show Bloody at yeah. the location uh, and they can bring crowds of like 40 50 000 people yeah and they played here in London a few days ago in a venue of 1,500 people. You no. best believe it was just Argentinians, like, yeah, off yeah. the plane. Yeah. <laughs> it was so cool. And then we got into the tube afterwards. And, oh, my God. Of course, they were chanting and jumping and banging the freaking... Argentinian rock bands. They're, it's a niche. I think they have quite a few going on there. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not an expert, but I think a lot of them uh, are pretty decent. But don't get exposure, unfortunately. I actually was surprised by that when I first went to Argentina, when I was asking people what music they like and things like that. Everyone was saying, rock nacional. And I was like, what do you mean? I mean, obviously, like, national rock, like Argentinian rock. But I didn't realize that that was how close-minded to me. I didn't realize that was, like, a, a genre. But also, like, why wouldn't it be, right? Yeah. Um, to the point where, like, people, it's a real point of pride, almost, for a oh. lot of people, for the country. Yeah. Um, and... To the point where, like, they might know a lot about national rock and not know much about, like, international rock names that you and I would consider household names. Yeah. You know, of course, there's, like, people who are just diehard, like, rock fans in general. And whether it's national or international, they don't care. But there are people who are like, yeah, I don't really even listen to international rock. I only listen to Argentinian rock. Oh, wow. Um, And I don't know much about it either. So maybe some Argentinians listening will correct me. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. I by, I by accident in Buenos Aires stumbled into a museum that I thought was going to be about like the history of the independence of the country or something. And actually they had like a exhibit at that time about the history of rock in the country. So I was like, <laughs> this is cool. And I wow. went around a little bit and took a look. And it seems like rock was prohibited during the uh, dictatorship that they had. Yeah. There was a lot of censorship on uh, arts and music and things. And like rock was not allowed dictatorship fell in 83 rock fucking exploded like it just <laughs> sense that it's seen as such a like patriotic thing almost yeah. and it's a, like a point of liberty and so people take it seriously and really appreciate it because they're like man even like 40 years ago we didn't have we weren't allowed to listen to this 
So it still has that like original, like rock gritty mm -hmm. rebellious feeling that I think we would have felt in the UK in like the seventies. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, even yeah. when we went to the show, when even when we went to the show a few days ago, I felt like I was in a show, the only kind of show that I've seen in footage from like the seventies and eighties, like almost no one had their phones out. God. Like everyone was moshing so hard. I have a big ass. Look at this bruise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it was, it was, it felt like I was watching some like, I don't know, Nirvana show from like 91 or something or 80 something. Like, right. It was cool. <laughs> I'm getting a bit bored of, I guess what you call your UK current rock scene. So I think I need to branch out into other countries. Let's do a little exchange. Give me three British rock artists that you're listening to now. And I can tell you three Argentinian rock bands and Ooh. the listeners can also get some new music. Well, right now it's Queens of the Stone Age because they just released a new album. All right, cool. Muse is a classic. Yeah. They they tour South America all the time. Yeah. They obviously love it over there. These these are going to be like generic, uh, well-known ones. And probably, unfortunately, and this goes against what I said previously, um, Raw Blood. Nice. What's yours? So I actually, just a note on that, I have never, I know those names, obviously, but I have never gotten into Queens of the Stone Age or Muse. Like, I recognize, anyone can recognize a Muse song. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and I dig it, but I don't know why I just never like dove into the discography or anything to appreciate. Um, and Queens of the Stone Age played headliner at Reading when I went one year God. back when I was. Bloody hell, that's years ago. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't watch them. They like shared the headline with someone else. I can't remember who. Right. And ironically, I can't. I, the one I can't remember is the one that I watched. <laughs> Queens of the Stone Age that I didn't watch. I remember that they were there. So that says something, doesn't it? Wowzers. <laughs> I can give you some Argentinian ones. Yeah, um, please. Sure. Uh, so La Renga, obviously. Yeah. Which I think is the biggest one. That's just like La and then Renga, exactly as it sounds. Okay. And another one um, is Las Pelotas. Okay. Which literally means the balls. <laughs> 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 and they're also like a very big, um, very known uh, over there. But I don't, they're, I don't know if they're older than La Renga, but they're both kind of old school in quotation marks I think the singers must be in their 60s or something yeah and then another one that I haven't really listened to that much but like all of the people that I hung out with over there when we were in my partner's town all talk about this band so I need to get into them um but they're called Rata Blanca Rata black Blanca. rat uh sorry white rat <laughs> yeah okay white rat that's an interesting name yeah okay white rat yeah I need to there check out new music too. yeah it just gets a bit stale doesn't it sometimes so I need to mm -hmm. find new things. But if I listen to one, then Spotify probably recommend another band and it probably spirals exactly. into South American rock. Exactly. Um, and then also putting on the radio, the Spotify radio, I always just do that. But then the bad thing with that is you find bangers that you like, but you don't know what it's called or who it's by. And maybe then in two months you're in a coffee shop and you're like, I know this song. Why do you <laughs> yeah. know this song? And you have no idea. Or like the band yeah. could be touring and you'd have no clue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the downside of Spotify, I feel like. When it was iTunes and pirating music, oh my God. I was <laughs> Easy. the biggest, I knew the album, the year, the band, yeah, yeah. The, the track list, like. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I keep thinking that like, you've got Spotify on your phone and you hear it. Can you do Shazam at the same time? Does it work? Oh, like to Shazam your own phone? Yeah. Does that even work? I don't know. I've never oh, tried. The first thing come to mind was. Oh, that's a brain scratcher. <laughs> <laughs> But we'll see. I bet okay. someone who's actually techie is listening and is like, that's not a brain scratcher. Uh, it uh, obviously yeah, is not yeah. because 
Technical thing, technical thing. <laughs> yeah, like, like he's like, play, like, kids do it all the time. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I need to check that out. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I, I never listen to the radio on Spotify. Don't do it. What? That's the only way I use Spotify. This is so interesting. It's the only way I use Spotify because I never know what I want to listen to. So I pick one song Same. that's like in my head or that's like the vibe I'm in. And then I just go to radio and let it do its thing. I just pick the genre. So if I'm like, oh, I want chill out, I just pick a chill out playlist and uh, play it. Yeah, I do oh. do that sometimes, actually. Mm -hmm. But now you say radio, I'll give that a go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Quick question I had about the Italian citizenship. Something yeah. you said very interestingly, your partner has or did have a relative that was a great, great grandparent. Is that right? Yes. All right. So well UK. Done. Yeah, 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 yeah. So UK is normally <laughs> is normally grandparent, isn't it? That's as far as it goes, I think. Uh -huh. But how can you prove? Like that's quite a long way back. How does that get mm. proven? Uh, certificates. So first of all, I didn't know that the UK did this. So that's cool. Yeah, it's called um, um, ancestry visa. Yeah, I think it's five years you get residency. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. No, this is like instant. Like we are going to Italy next month, and then obviously depending on the province and the municipality you're in, it'll differ timing wise. But if all your paperwork is good, you could get your passport in three months. Oh bloody hell, that's quick. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As far as I'm aware, like we might hit a wall in this process and it's like, oh, that's not at all how I thought this was going to go. Mm. And there's caveats, whatever. I don't know. But right now it looks like it's pretty quick because some of his cousins have done it and they got their passports with a matter of months. <sighs> Dream. Wow. <laughs> yeah. How does he prove that his great, great grandparents were his? Like, is that just, I don't know, census records? Yeah. You have to go to the municipality and ask for the birth certificate, death certificate and marriage certificate of every person in between you and the ancestor. So we have the great, great grandpa's birth certificate from Italy. Yeah. Um, 1875, that's <laughs> just a trip, man. That's just wild, like wow. what? <laughs> and, then, and then he moved to Argentina and got married in Argentina. So the rest of the paperwork we need to ask in Argentina. And so then we yeah. got his marriage certificate, his death certificate, and then the same, the three certificates for the great grandparent, and Got then it. for the grandma, and then from his dad, and then his birth certificate. So it shows like the line Wowzers. of descent like that. So That's you awesome. need all of that. And then you have to translate all of it into Italian and get like a, an apostyle stamp, get it apostatized. Yeah. I don't know how to say that, but Ooh, okay. that illegal thing going on there. And then yeah. you also have to ask for a certificate of non-naturalization. It's a CNE -C is what it's called. Okay. It's basically a paper that says that this Italian ancestor, when they came to Argentina, they were never naturalized as Argentinian. So they remained Italian through their whole life. Or at least at the time that they had children, or like the child, which was then the great grandparent yeah. who would continue the line. If at the point of birth of the great grandparent, um, the great great grandparent wasn't naturalized, then that's yeah. okay too. Basically, if they naturalized to Argentinian before their kids are born, then it you don't you're not eligible for italian citizenship. got it so you need that certificate to show that they did not naturalize as well as all the documents to prove the descendancy very interesting because the great great grandparent might have wanted to be argentinian but for some reason probably couldn't get the paperwork or couldn't get it done now fast forward 150 years has worked out well for you guys i think it's really lucky because we did manage to get all of the pa all the certificates to prove the line yeah. of descent which is the hardest part in my opinion because Obviously, back in like 1901, 1927, whatever it is, like 
you know, these villages were just being founded. Um, yeah. And a lot of the time, like where the municipality is or how many there are and how the land is split into villages changes over time. Mm. So like, for example, one of his grandma's certificates was missing and we could not find it. And we were like panicking because we were like, oh my God, it's the only one that's missing. Like, what the hell? So we had to go and search around and get like a lawyer involved and all this. And um, eventually we found it, which is good. But it's just like, I mean, it was there. Like we knew that it was going to be there. Mm-hmm. but it's like if you don't find it like you can't do it just like robs you of the chance of getting the citizenship yeah. so and then it made me also think about like damn like how lucky that you know this was all officially done like within yeah. wedlock and everything imagine yeah. you have like a bastard grandpa yeah not to use an outdated term but that would also kill your legibility like damn yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so yeah. a lot of like luck involved also yeah awesome. there is a a ska band an Argentinian ska band. I cannot remember what they're called, but I saw them when we were there and they have a song that is basically about, he's singing like to his grand, to his great grandpa. Yeah. And he's singing about like how they promised him that like South America would be better than Europe and all that. Um, but now the generations that are there now are trying to do the opposite. They're yeah, trying okay, to get yeah. citizenship to go back because <laughs> the situation isn't great in their country. Yeah. Um, and so the whole song is like, great grandpa, great grandpa, like, you came for nothing, basically. Like Vinita, <laughs> like you came for no reason because now we're all going back. <laughs> it's like meant to be a satire. Yeah. <laughs> ah, very interesting. Yeah, it is true, isn't it? A lot of that is happening, which is very interesting about how things stand in these countries. Um also, can your partner keep both passports? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you can have dual citizenship. Yeah. Some countries don't allow that, right? Um Yeah. I don't know which ones, but I do know that some don't allow that. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not a privilege either for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, this Italian citizenship thing, like it's a huge, huge advantage to be able to go to Italy to do it because you get all your paperwork in order in Argentina and then you go over to Italy if you can and you stay there. And now they actually introduced a new rule where when you arrive in Italy, you have to announce at the municipality that you are here for the purpose of doing your citizenship and then they kind of void your 90 days and like you can stay until it's done basically which makes ah, sense cool. it takes longer than 90 days yeah, yeah. um and now that that permit of like your your permission to stay for the citizenship um you can convert that into a work permit and ah. you can work like over the table i guess like opposite of under the table yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. work over, over the, the table, table. Um, yeah. While you're waiting for your citizenship, which is awesome, it makes it much more doable um, for a lot of people. But if you if you were, you can also do the citizenship from Argentina, yeah, like via the embassies or whatever it is. But that process would literally take like a decade. Okay, so you got to go. Speaking to someone, I was speaking to someone who has Peruvian family, and their Peruvian family did a similar thing a couple decades ago, and they said it took them ten years to get their citizenship (sighs) because they did it from Peru. Ten years. Yeah, because it's just so slow. The bureaucracy, the bureaucracy, well, the bureaucracy. Bureaucracy, is so yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just crazy. You think it's in this cogwheel of work for ten years that and know, also people... that we haven't digitized this process. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh... yeah, yeah. That is true. So let's move on. I could, I could complain about this for okay, <laughs> way okay. too long. <laughs> to finalize on Italy very quickly. So obviously, yeah, citizenship. You're gonna to go to Italy and do that. Are you yeah. planning to stay there in the medium term? Like, what's the plan? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. We're definitely going to, I mean, we're going to stay there until we get the citizenship. Yeah. What we do after, I don't know. I think it depends how much we like Italy, how good Italy is to us and for us. I don't know. And whereabouts in Italy? Don't know yet, actually. Oh, <laughs> okay. 
Cool. Yeah, we're going in like a month and I still don't know where we're going to go. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, yeah. I told you we did all of this in a very suboptimal way, but <laughs> yeah. um, we sat down the other day and literally blasted out emails to municipalities all over the country being like, please accept us. Because another little caveat that they make oh. it so hard for you is that when you ask for all these certificates of like the line of descent and everything, yeah. you only have six months from when you receive them until they expire in the eyes of the Italian municipality. You have to show up with all your shit together within six months, Why which is, is like, so it, takes, it takes a month and a half for them to even find these documents for you. So it's like, <laughs> we'd like to be in, in Calabria. Okay. In like the very south, uh, yeah. like the toe of the boot. Toe yeah. of the boot. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, exciting times. We'll see. Okay, let's go to Nomad in the Making. Last time we spoke. Let's do it. I think, again, you're on the cusp of getting a set up. No, I don't think that name was, I don't know if that was finalized at that point. So this is new. Um, but please remind the people. No, it wasn't. Yeah, of what the premise is and what you're offering. Yeah, Nomad in the Making. Oh, man. Nomad in the Making is a is like my baby. It's my total like passion. I don't want to call it a passion project because it's a business, but it, yeah. it is also a passion project, mm. you know? Um, the idea is that it's a it's a program where you get like a video module course, but you also get one-on-one -on -one coaching to empower and enable people to go from a situation where there may be like, you know, living a, let's say traditional life They're you know, they're yeah. in a job and they maybe don't love it, or they're like feeling very stuck in the place that they're living. They have itchy feet. They really want to travel really badly, but they just don't know how to get started they don't know what work they would do online they don't know how to make money working remotely maybe they've had not much luck with remote jobs and it's really like frustrating them and they're at the point where they're like i'm done with this shit like i'm ready to change course completely yeah. um and so the the program is really designed to it's a mix of business and mindset coaching um and a lot of like insider knowledge of what this nomad life is like um and a lot of like little tips and things that you know seem like second nature to me which is so wild and then i'll speak to a friend and give them like an advice for their trip and they'll be like what <laughs> you can do that <laughs> so like little moments like that sprinkled in too which really make it a super unique course because it's not just business coaching it's not just mindset stuff it's not just like solo travel tips it's like all that mixed together um in a in a container that's really like judgment free and really like focused on you building out what feels really aligned for you rather than what you feel like you should or what society has made you feel like you should be doing um, so that you can really live authentically and see the world and make money. Yeah, I think we talked about that last time about the whole social norms, right? About how... Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, how it can be quite... I don't know what the word is. I'll say unique, but people look down on you if you don't have the generic nine-to-five job with the classic career, right? And the, and the house and stuff like that. Um, you kind of looked a bit of an outcast to society a little bit. I don't know if my opinion on that has maybe changed since oh, yeah. then. It sounds quite like a like a gray, morbid description. Yeah. Mm. I think I see it a bit more optimistically now. Well, depending on where you're looking from, it can be optimistic or less optimistic. I think I see it more as like it's a reflection of people's own triggers, mm. maybe, or own disappointments in themselves. Yeah. Like if they see, you know, someone who's traveling and working remotely and have done it for themselves by building a, like a service business or something. And they're really just seeing this person live with so much freedom, like time freedom, location freedom. And it makes them 
upset inside it's like that's not because the person is an outcast it's because the person who's feeling that way inside it's because they're seeing someone live a way that they've denied themselves for whatever reason like no judgment on it everyone is where they're at for whatever reason but it's like it says a lot more about the person feeling the things than about the person living the life yes i do agree because i say to my partner that people who see you do that they should be happy for you because if they're not happy about right. it, it's their own situation. And if they've got, I don't know, let's say they're locked into a 30 year mortgage with a career they don't like, people need to accept that what decisions they've chosen, they have to be happy about it. Cause if they're not happy about it, they've got to change it. And I guess that reflects on 100%. other people, I suppose they think they're the outcast, but actually it's themselves. A hundred percent. If you've got a house and a family, accept it and, and say, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with this. And I don't want to do anything else. But I think sometimes they probably think, ah, oh, if only I could have done that or wish I did that, I suppose. Yeah, that's that actually echoes what I was about to say, um, which is that by no means is this meant to sound like, oh, this nomadic life is the best life and everyone else is doing it wrong. No, it's exactly what you said. It's like, I actually have felt this sometimes in the opposite direction. Like when I've been traveling a lot and very hectically, mm. I'm like, man, I just want like a spot that's mine, like one bedroom apartment, no roommates, yeah. Like yeah. just yeah. me in one yeah. place for six months at least. I have my bakery. I have my coffee shop where the guy knows my order. Like I, you know what I mean? I want that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like feeling that kind of way can come from whatever life situation you're in. I'm not saying like nine to five sucks and nomadic life is the best. Mm. And that kind of is reflected in like my, my course, my content, all that. Like I never want people to feel like, you know, I'm trying to convince you to live like this. It's more like yeah. if you already feel the call for this, I'm here to help you. If you don't, that's cool. Keep scrolling. Have a good life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If they're happy with their life, I've got no problem with that. Yeah. But I think I guess totally. you're appealing to people who are, are just in that middle ground of not sure, feel like they do want to change, but not sure how or where to go, basically. Yeah, I do hear that a lot, um, like in comments and DMs and even conversations. I've had one on one with people who connected with me through social media. I think the biggest things I hear is I really want to try. And this is coming from a lot of very young people. Like mm-hmm. I've spoken to people who haven't even finished high school yet. And I've spoken to people who are just out of college or just finishing college. And I've also spoken to people who are in their 50s. So mm-hmm. like there's a big range, but I would say most of them are sort of like maybe 20, 19, 20 to like 26, 7. Got it. So these people like the, the main things that I hear is like, I don't know how to start. I don't know where to look for remote jobs. I don't have any tech skills. Um, I don't have any experience. I'm not qualified for a remote job. Um, And like fear, just fear in general of, I don't know what, of traveling solo, maybe not so much, but like more like of putting themselves out there. I think there's a lot of imposter syndrome and like worthiness things that, that come up. And all of that stuff, it's like very valid to feel it. But it's all like not true. Make it like <laughs> I put a video out about this like yesterday. Like you, you've done everything you've ever done in your life. There was a time where it was the first time that you did it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So like putting yourself out there to sell a service. Yeah, the first time you do it, it's gonna be freaking scary. And like <laughs> no one said it was gonna be like Coldplay said. Nobody said it was easy. All right, <laughs> but like it's possible once you understand it's possible, you can accept that it's not easy. And then the second step is to accept that you are worthy of living this life but imposter syndrome is 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 a killer though isn't it i mean yeah if i'm honest it's probably stopped me a little bit from progressing setting up the business of my side mm. or even most like the travel side mm-hmm. i find is easy 
been doing right. it all year, but like the the setting up side, because you, you always, just personal experience, I always think there's someone else doing it better, more knowledgeable, and it's hard there to get is. past that sometimes. Yeah. There is someone out there doing it better and more knowledgeable. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. does that mean that you can't also have a slice of the cake? No, absolutely. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you right. also are better than someone else out there. True. Yeah, let's go back to flip it. Yeah. And also, yeah. I think each personality, regardless of the content you're doing or the service you're providing, I think the personality just suits different people, right? Like someone might come to me and just think, oh, I just can't work with James. But they might go to you and go, oh, yeah, your style suits them better or vice versa. Yeah. I think that's a case as well. That's the same with podcasting, right? You know, YouTube mm-hmm. uh, YouTubers, they have followers, not necessarily, I think, really about the content as much, but more about them. Like my partner watches a few YouTubers and it's more about she just likes mm-hmm. them. So it's not even like yeah. the content as per se, it's just about the personality and what they come across as. A hundred percent. That's completely true. You mm. nailed it. And that's why you will see so much um, on social media of people talking to aspiring entrepreneurs on like business and marketing side of Instagram and TikTok. If you've ever landed there saying things like you have to be your authentic mm. self. Cause that's what not only will that like actually make it easy for you to make content. Cause you don't have to do any kind of performance. You just talk, <laughs> <laughs> but also it will naturally attract people to you who are like you and vibe with you. Yeah, because they see themselves in you. So it will naturally attract your ideal client if you're being authentic. It's a win-win for both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, the course itself, who are you like appealing to? Is there a certain crowd, do you think, or a certain audience or clientele? Yeah, I mean, I definitely thought that my ideal crowd was going to be sort of like late 20s. I was kind of imagining like the late 20s corporate girlies who are like over corporate girly life. And they were yeah. like, I just want to go live by a beach somewhere and like wear a bikini and work a few hours a day <laughs> from my laptop and make enough to like continue um, traveling around. Yeah. Funnily enough, that got blown out of the water because the first client I signed was a woman in her mid fifties. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's no, there's no, um, what is it? Business is just a bunch of assumptions that you just keep testing. That's what my yeah. business coach said to me. Shout out Ari. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's for people who it's really for my past self. Like okay. I, in 2018 was working in a office in London mm-hmm. um I was kind of like corporate girly except for it was a startup so it wasn't really corporate at all but it was um intense hours and oh, just a lot and London is just hectic in itself and it's very hustle culture and very like if you don't have three side hustles and like a yoga membership and this and that and like Sunday brunch then you're falling behind <laughs> and oh, it's just so overwhelming no matter how much you do you feel like you're never doing enough which is so toxic but um <laughs> I was in that era and that's actually when I made the Jet Setter Julia Instagram. But okay. I never really, I was posting on it with a bunch of my trips from 2018, but I yeah. deleted them all when I rebranded last year. Mm-hmm. The reason I asked is on your profile, I think, on Instagram, you mentioned uh, women specifically, I think. Am I right? Yeah, helping ambitious women yes. to travel the world. But it's not exclusively for women, though, is it? No, not necessarily. No, of mm. course not. If I get an inquiry from a dude, I will 100% accept it like yeah. it's not like I'm gonna discriminate based on <laughs> sex or gender um, it's just that when I opened the course up for the first time in January yeah. I got like 200 inquiries and like 96 7 percent were from women so that's ah. why I was like all right I got should it. definitely brand towards women because <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah of course yeah yeah, yeah. it was that yeah. yeah also like 85 percent of my followers are 
women and the people who engage my content are women so ah very interesting <laughs> well i think mine's 55 percent men interestingly interesting yeah quite split the, evenly that's nice yeah pretty, pretty even split uh but this year has been women over the 50 mm. percent. so yeah interesting that is an amazing amount mm. of inquiries in January because then my next thing was going to be that you've now got a new inquiry slot open, right? For as we speak right now. Yeah. Enrollment is open right now. Enrollment is open until the 7th of July. Yeah. And then the doors will close until I'm thinking November. The doors will close until November or, or October. And yeah, I have 10 slots available and yeah. I'm super excited. The The first round of Nomad in the Making was a slightly different format. It okay. was just one-on-one -on -one coaching for 12 weeks. So people got 12 hours with me um, yeah. and they got access to like the, the portal and everything, which was in uh, Notion. We use Notion for everything. Yeah. But I'm changing it now to be a little bit more um, like accessible and also like less time intensive for me. So um, it's going to, that's, that's why I came up with the hybrid model of like the taking the notion one step further and like still having it there but turning it kind of into like a video module um course yeah. and then also having the coaching but at a lesser capacity so you'd get six calls um like one every other week so Got it's it. still a 12 month a 12 week program it's still a three month program yeah but you would have a call with me every other week and you would have like do it at your own pace modules which i think is better because it means that we yeah. can use our one hour together to really coach rather than teach and coach like I would rather like you were taught outside of our hour so that we can really like, mm. I, I hate this phrase. It's such a buzzword, like quantum leap you <laughs> in the one hour calls. And like, we've had some hectic things happen. Like I'm not even kidding. And also my clients are the most low key people, which I kind of love. Cause like, I love humility. <laughs> she says, as she's bragging about the results of her course, <laughs> but <laughs> we love self-aware people too. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, is that she told me, um, so this is a this is a woman who wants to move to Thailand basically yeah. and be a uh, virtual assistant freelance uh, remotely. So yeah. that's what we're working on with her. And um, she wanted to go to Thailand, like because she'd never been before. It was just like this dream place for her. And we had a session on limiting beliefs, and I really coached her. It was like a full on like mindset session. Um, and we really coached through her limiting beliefs. We did some exercises and all that kind of stuff, and went to some kind of deep places, and it was beautiful. Um, kudos to her for being so vulnerable. And then uh, she actually ended up booking the flight to Thailand and went by herself. Um, it was her first international solo trip. And she went from California to Thailand. Wow. Yeah. And then she came back and we continued with the coaching sessions and stuff. Yeah. And she didn't tell me this, this trip happened like a month and a half, two months ago. She didn't tell me until last week. She was like, you know that I booked that ticket because of that call we did. And I was like, and you didn't tell me like <laughs> what she was like yeah I, I don't know I didn't tell you I just but like that that coach, coaching session we had on limiting beliefs really like made yeah. me switch something in my head and like my mindset totally changed and I was like man if other people can do this why not me like I got this and I booked it and I went and I had the best time of my life and she's like and now I'm 100% sure that I want to move there she's looking into getting like a um like a, what's it like a work visa via a company that um, hires English teachers for school. So she would oh, yeah. be teaching like in an actual Thai school. Yeah. And yeah, so that would be the way that she can stay there and she can work on her VA business on the side. So it's, yeah, that's why I wanted more, like fewer sessions, but deeper. Yeah. Value it's more efficient. Calls. You can really deep dive into the real problems or issues with whatever the issue is. Right. Yeah. If I'm trying to teach you, I don't know, like some marketing concepts, 
Yeah. And I would spend half an hour talking about marketing concepts that you could honestly learn on YouTube or like, or, or like through like video content that I make for you. Yeah. Right. Hence yeah. the course. <laughs> yeah. Then I'd rather spend the whole hour doing the mindset stuff and you in your own time do the teaching stuff. Yeah. Very interesting. I've got a question as well, but this is for you and your side. If you get 200 applicants, how the hell do you whittle them down to 10 slots? It's interesting because I had a different system then too. I had a sort of, I'm experimenting. I'm a new business owner too. And I don't know, maybe this is useful for someone who's listening too. So I'm happy to share. Like I had an open system, um, like evergreen program. Because I wanted to get good at the like mechanics of the business. Like I didn't even focus so much on closing. It was more like, okay, let me just see if I can get leads. Okay, I got leads. All right, now let's see if I can be good on sales calls. Okay, let's yeah. let's work on that. Whether they close or not, I wasn't even worried about. So it was more just like getting good at that and getting more comfortable and more confident. Because um, I was nervous as shit on my first sales calls. I did that for a couple of months, two months. Um, and it was exhausting because even though I limited my calendar so you could only book calls Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with me. So I had Monday and Friday flexible. Yeah. Um, to like not work or to do content or to do life admin stuff or whatever else I had to do. Um, it was still exhausting. And then I had to put a limit to how many sales calls I could take a day. So I limited it at four sales calls per day because they're, they're surprisingly draining. I was not expecting that. Right. I was so drained after these sales yeah. calls. Maybe that's me doing something wrong. I'm sure there's some people who like get off off sales calls. <laughs> um, like I'm sure that there's mindset stuff there too. Yeah. Um, which is why coaches need coaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, yeah. I just, I just found it. I found it to be really draining, and I found it to be infringing on the freedoms that I wanted for myself. I was like, I live the way I live so that I can have flexibility in my life, and these sales calls are really limiting that flexibility. So I decided to change how I do it, and then I, that's when I learned about like the launch, like framework. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of having it like evergreen, always open, you kind of tease the content for a while, and then you open a wait list. And then you sh- you tease it more and you get more and more people on the wait list. And then you open the doors and the doors are open for one or two weeks. Yeah. You're selling hard when the doors close and like then they can't join the program anymore. Um, and that's kind of cool because it, it means that I'm running in kind of like, like sprints rather yes. than constantly being like, when will I sign someone? <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's been that's been an interesting um, shift. I'll see. I'm learning so much, too. Like if I did a launch again, I would do it very differently already so that's that's cool it's fun yeah right? it's a learning process right yeah i uh, actually wrote a letter to myself before i started <laughs> opening the wait list i wrote a letter to because i know what i'm like i'll sit there and i look at views and i'll look at likes and i'll refresh <laughs> and refresh and refresh and refresh and it's like I'm refreshing like the wait list form seeing how many people are there all this and i'm like girl you cannot do that yeah. like, this is not the energy we want we do not want this like we want the dedication not to be to like the numbers and the revenue we want the dedication to be the joy of the process because that's how you're going to do this long term i'm sure you feel this with the podcast i feel like this is incredibly relevant so i'd love to hear your take on it um but that was the idea i wrote this letter to myself which was basically like promise me you were just gonna have fun like a kid you were gonna see everything as like an experiment everything as like a chance for you to be creative and then whatever the number results are it's what they are and it has nothing to do with your worth or your knowledge um, it could be a million different things from a mismatch of the audience, from the messaging, from the graphics, from the offer, from the pricing, from like all that stuff. Any of that stuff could be off if it doesn't go well. So like, just have fun. And if mm-hmm. you have fun, then you'll dedicate. And if you dedicate, then you'll get better. And then the numbers will come. So that's I mean, how I see it. You just nailed it. <laughs> uh, I think <laughs> to, compared to a podcast, 
I used to check stats every hour. So um, oh. back in the day, I oh, don't do that now. I, I, I maybe check like once in the morning and that's it. But even that probably is too much. Um, but someone said that you can't get into that numbers game because what does it mean? I think I think Simon Sinek was on. I don't know if Simon Sinek. He's a yeah, 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 yeah. He's American author and speaker. He was on the um, uh, Stephen Bartlett's podcast, Starius CEO, and he was talking about this. And he said to Stephen Bartlett, he said, "Well, you're you're number one, right?" And Stephen Bartlett's like, "Yeah, yeah, we're number one, and we're the best rated podcast in the UK." And Simon Sinek went, "Well, yeah, for now, but like, I don't know, two months time, you might not be. But is that is that going to change your view?" And Stephen Bartlett was like, "Ah." Uh, I don't know. But like Simon Sinek is trying to say, it doesn't matter. As you say, there can always be someone better um, and get more numbers. So it is the content. It is enjoying yourself and it is just doing the best you can and don't go for those extrinsic uh, values, I guess, and goals. Um, yes. Which is very key. Yes. You, you, need, you need a bit of that. You need money to live. I mean, that has to be part of it, but yeah. it can't be the majority of it. I think you have to be intrinsically involved. And um, that's pretty key. Yes. If it's about the money, then you will start to resent what you're doing. Yes. Because your emotions are going to be tied to tied. what money is or isn't coming in. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just, you're not yeah. going to have fun. Then you might as well just go be an employee because then you can just be happy all the time because you know that money's coming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're totally it right. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious. I want to ask you how, how you went about, did you do anything in particular or did you listen to any thinkers or entrepreneurs or podcasts or anything to like get yourself from the place where you were checking every hour to the place where you're maybe checking once in the morning uh or was I, that just like the byproduct of time uh it's both so first of all i think uh consequently like as we speak right now uh this is the best month i've ever had so obviously it does change it does prove I that if you change that if you change your, your mindset yesterday. it does work yeah 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 uh, <laughs> congratulations I tell you, I, yeah, I'll be brutally honest here. I, I have also been seeing uh, a counsellor for like last, uh, must be a year and a half, uh, up until I travelled. So it was only a year because you can't do any travel. Um, and with that came obviously a bit of a mindset shift. And alongside that, um, yeah, she's super awesome. Uh, I then switched, kind of listened to like proper people on podcasts or and or books so simon senek is a great one so i started reading material about how to change your mindset to intrinsic from extrinsic which i was always extrinsic mm. um, and it's mm -hmm. taken years you know a couple of years um mm -hmm. but now because of that i think i'm just much more uh chilled out i think is the probably the word like i so okay last week i had no interviews in the bank because i've been traveling it's hard to arrange interviews that go back 18 months, I'll be freaking the fuck out. I'll be like, I've got no interviews in the bank. I can't release anything on Monday. What the hell do I do? And I, I'd freak out. But now I'm like, oh, do you know what? It's okay. I've got a two-week slot now where I'm in Vancouver. I'll get some done. Uh, I've got some travel content I can release on my own. Much more chilled. Much more, uh, I don't you know, I think about it more. It's okay. Yeah. If things get out on time, great. If they don't, do better next time. It's okay. So... Yeah. yeah, it's a mix of seeing someone. Like, I'm going <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a mix of like talking to people. I was reading some good and listening to some good material and just kind of changing my mindset a little bit with those combined. And that's awesome. where I'm at now. I think travel helps as well. Uh, that uh, I think I was out four years. I was doing full-time employee work. Uh, I needed to, to quit that and change for a bit. Yeah. And yeah. How, do you, how do you feel now having done 
the big well I know you said it's halfway through because you're flipping like into chapter two now but like having done the first big leg of your big continuous trip is yeah. am I right in saying that was like your first time doing like a long travel like that uh no or... I've done long, long ones before but the mindset is different oh, okay. because before if you tell me at the start of the six months I went away at the end of six months oh yeah I'm getting another job but now it's like oh how can I carry it on at a slower pace that's the that's mm -hmm. the difference in, in goals and mind, uh, mindset mm -hmm. shift um mm -hmm. but the first five months I've learned a lot <laughs> like traveling and podcasting is bloody difficult uh, <laughs> yep. uh, I've reached out to a load of people to do interviews in person a lot of ignoring that people ignored me people said no but a few said yeah so that's great uh, so then three on the road that was really good um so I learned how to manage my time better how to plan ahead and be organized but also accept that time is um not as available when you're just a nine to five believe it or not because when you're nine to five this might sound weird you have more time because when you finish five, five o'clock oh, what i'm gonna do i don't know watch tv now nah, i do podcast stuff but when you're traveling and you're out seeing things just knackering you're out all day you're walking you're meeting people there's actually less time because there's no construct of a, of a week yes it's just a day-to-day -day, whatever's next so yes uh, that's more fluid and not structured as a nine to five job where you know the weekends you could probably do four or five hours a day on your podcast so that's a different I know what you mean change. and I, it sounds funny too because it's like obviously the 24 hours are the same but yeah. what changes is your what changes is your like your availability of options like when yeah. you're nine to five you're in the same territory all the time you kind of know what your options are it's like oh tv or like the pub with some friends or like I don't know maybe I'll cook something or it's like a limited number of options, all of which you could do at any point and any time. So it's like, if you miss yes. it, you're like, oh, maybe I won't go to the pub now. Cause like, I can just go next weekend. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but when you're traveling, it's like, oh, but when is the next time I'm going to be in, I don't know, exactly. this neighborhood of Seoul, South Korea. And this guy just invited me to go try this local street food thing. And it's like, oh, this market's only open once a month and I happen to be here and I got to go, but I also got to do my podcast. But like, <laughs> man, I should really post that Instagram thing, but I didn't do that yet. But oh my God, but I need to sleep because tomorrow I get up at six o'clock for a bus. And <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> it's all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally all that. Yeah. Yep. And then you burn out and you're like, why did I burn out? I don't understand. What? What? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. And I've loved also another lesson. I've loved being here in Vancouver for two weeks, not traveling around, but not working the five, nine to five. So I've been here just going to a few coffee shops and really concentrating on work. And I've done so much mm -hmm. proper, like in-depth stuff with my podcast and you know, business as well. I've got a website coming in and stuff like that. So I've got Amazing. so much stuff done. And I've learned that, you know, I can't go to Kathmandu and work well because Kathmandu is like, not a, walk, not a walking city. I can't go out just to walk and chill out. I can't not be pestered. And there's only certain areas you can go into and to feel comfortable and do work, right? I just, I just learned that Kathmandu is a great place, but not for remote working on my podcast. But if I went to, uh, if I chilled in Vancouver, apart from the price of the place, but you know, as a place to live for two weeks to do work, yeah, I can do it. It's really easy. So I've now learned that there's some places on my travels that are just easier for me to go and do podcast stuff rather than just travel places now you know like I don't yeah. know another example would and be I like yeah that, I think that's really relevant too because you know it's definitely true that maybe not everybody wants to travel long term and yeah. be like I live out of a backpack for two years straight like not everybody wants that but I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who doesn't want more flexibility yeah. in their life yeah and it's like this lifestyle 
I think a lot of people end up in this lifestyle because like the gateway drug is this dream of, oh, you, but you could just like continuously travel. Don't you want that? Isn't that so cool? <laughs> yeah. And so you start like that, but then you go through this, everything that you're talking about, it's the same experience I've heard from everyone who travels the way that we travel. And like, you crave that base after a while and like you want a little bit of routine, but then you get itchy feet really fast and then you go off and you're always yo-yoing between those two sort of vibes. Yeah. Um, so what that means is just like, maybe like I've come to the point where I've realized that travel is kind of like the byproduct of just having options. So the yes. real core desire there isn't necessarily travel. It's just more options, flexibility. If I want to work 12 hours a day, I can just hole up and do that. If yeah. I want to work one day a week, for a stretch of time because everything's going really well and I just zone like zone in on one thing for like five hours in a day and then I just don't work for the rest of the week like I can do that too if I want to go to Spain tomorrow because my friend's like hey there's this thing happening and like and I'm close by and the tickets are cheap it's like why not you know you can do that you can surprise your friend for their birthday you can I mean you can drop in on your parents say hi Mm. like it's not about going to the most remote places and having the most bucket list experiences necessarily although you can obviously do that if you want to but um yeah. not the options no i think you're absolute that is the thing absolutely correct there i, I you probably put it better than i did yeah. it's the flexibility in the options not necessarily travel itself mm-hmm. and we we talk about that a lot me and my partner about the future isn't backpacking for five months uh different city every three days which we did do and it was too fast last five months have been too fast um yes that's one lesson i've learned but that's kind of again flexibility there's no flexibility in the summer in in Canada you we have to go next week because you want to drive across Canada it's going to take two or three months you want to have good weather it's now so unless you do it right. next year um, we were kind of pushed for time for that but going into uh-huh. 2024 the, the the real desire would be the flexibility like if if I get asked to go for a week to product review a camp in Maldives I'll do it and I'll be available and if I don't want to do it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as an example, right? Um, Let's go. Yeah, the flexibility is the key. I, I just want to be able to say no and yes to stuff and not be tied to a location yeah. or a time to do work. I think that's the, the aim, the ultimate aim. You're right. Yeah, 100% for me too. I mean, there's a, there's a creator that I follow, um, Gina Galeotto. Shout out to her. She's epic. Um, and she posted this story a while back talking about how she used to be a telemarketer um, yeah. working nine to six, hated everything about it. And now she's like a full-time content creator, UGC creator um, and has her own like digital products and all that good stuff and helps people have that life that we're talking about, like more flexible, more freedom, all that. Um, and she was talking about how she did the math one day and texted her husband and was like, yo, if we both stay at our nine to sixes, we will lose 12 years of time together that we could have. Yeah. yeah. Mm. If you stay in your nine to six, you are robbing yourself of 12 years with your partner, with your kids, with your whoever you're around a lot. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a, little bit <laughs> that's so, it's a sobering thought. <laughs> uh, I, I tell you, I tell you a good example to compliment that. I went to my old work yesterday to see them for lunch. Obviously, lunch is the fixed time because they have that hour, hour and a half uh-huh. of lunch. And they said, oh, what are you doing next? I said, oh, it's a really nice day here. So I'm going to wander down to downtown, get a coffee and go for a walk along the, the seawall in Vancouver. And the reactions are just mm-hmm. like, oh, I wish I could do that. That's, a, that's the reaction it is. Just, I wish 
I realized the first time yesterday that wow, it does really like lock you in like like, like a prison, right? The yeah. the fixed hours of a full time job, and I was like, wow, they have not very much flexibility during the week, and what can you do? And yeah. I used to be that, you know, six months ago. And it's not the yeah. job, it's not the people, it's just the lifestyle. And I wasn't, um, I needed a change. Yeah, I wasn't particularly happy with that. I think it's it's the mindset too, because it's also like, my friend calls it the salary golden handcuffs. And I yes, think that's so... Yeah, yeah. 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 I love yeah. that expression, because it's so like, true. Um, and I saw a video somewhere talking about how a salary is kind of like a, it's an addiction. Um, yeah. You're addicted to it, and you feel like, panic if it's not coming so I think that's a big reason why a lot of people like everyone that I'd spoken to who inquired for my program when it opened the first time around the biggest I always ask like what's the obstacle what's the thing that's holding you back like why mm -hmm. have you not done this why have you not been successful at transitioning your life and like why do you need my help and one of the biggest things that people say is I want financial security like I want stability mm -hmm. and I get that I also yeah. want that I think it's a perfectly normal, normal thing to want um I think it's also with the territory, I don't want to say unrealistic because obviously it is realistic, but um, it's it's something that at the beginning, at least, it's I think people equate consistency with security. And yes. I think that's the mistake. Yes. They equate a consistent income with a secure income. And it's like, no, because not a single business has consistent month on month income where yeah. you're bang at 5K a month every month. Like that doesn't happen. You have like 10K a month, $700 a month, like 5k month 2k month three and a half k month 2k month 7k month like that's how it goes and it's mm. like obviously you can live on that amount of money but you need a different like oh we're going into a totally other topic but <laughs> like you need a different mindset when it comes to um feeling comfortable in uncertainty and yes it's like personal finance advice i'm just shouting out everyone today go follow gina knox gina k-n-o-x <laughs> she's amazing she is a she calls herself money's mom uh personal finance advice for entrepreneurs amazing content wow. um and yeah i think that that comfort and uncertainty i wanted to talk about this earlier so this is a nice little loop yeah, yeah when you were talking about all the things that you learned in this trip that you just or this leg of the trip that you just finished i think comfort and uncertainty is something that you really learn as a as a traveler mm -hmm. and i think that travelers make very good entrepreneurs because a lot of the skill set that you need to be able to keep your cool when you're traveling is exactly the kind of skills that you need to keep your cool as an entrepreneur because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a total shit show it's a total roller coaster like and it's happened to me and I've heard this for years because I've always aspired to be an entrepreneur but this is the first year that I'm actually in it and man the roller coaster is real <laughs> it's so much fun but this is the thing I think it's so much fun because I think that I also see fun in the elements of travel that mirror these elements of entrepreneurship. But I also get how some people are fucking terrified of the idea of <laughs> you just flew to Argentina with no knowledge of anything and like one backpack and no plan and like, what? <laughs> no friends, like nobody that you knew there. Like some people couldn't and would be just terrified of that. And that's valid. I would bet that those same people would also be terrified of starting the, the business. Maybe not because mm. there's obviously other things in life that, you know, yeah. mirror these experiences that maybe they are more comfortable with and, like, you know, it's a whole human experience is like a kaleidoscope. Um, <laughs> but it's just it's just a parallel that I see that like the solo travelers and entrepreneurs, I feel like they're like handshake emoji, you know? <laughs> yes, I totally agree. You, you'll laugh because I, I had my first freak out this morning before our call. <laughs> I, like, I was just really? weighing up. What yeah, I was just weighing up all how much we spent and how much we got left uh, for the travel budget, not for personal stuff. I was like, shit, we're going to like um, 
a road trip for four or five months. But then I was like, why am I freaking out? This is the cheapest part of the trip. Because when you've got mm. your own camper van and you're paying campsite fees and you buy food to cook at your campsite, we're not eating out like every day we were in Europe. So like, why am I freaking out? This is the cheapest part of the trip. You should be fine with this. So I had to calm myself down a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Just because how much we spent, you know, doing the car and making sure it's viable to go across Canada. Yeah, calm myself yeah. down. But you do and go through those emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And in those moments too, like I had a moment like that a couple of days ago where I was like, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> expenses, holy crap. Yeah, yeah. And then literally the next day I was like, someone brought up a trip that I did. I don't remember to where or when, but I remember we talked about the trip and I was thinking about it so fondly. And then I connected the dots and I was like, I'm sure that I panicked about how much I spent on that trip when I was in the middle of that trip. But now I look back and I don't even care how much yeah. I spent. Like, and exactly. I'm not even in like a hectically stacked position. Like <laughs> I'm really, it's not like I'm sitting on top of a million dollars being like, oh, I don't even care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like. <laughs> I, was, um, I, was then, I was then gonna say like, for me, the insecurity about doing all this stuff is not actually the money. It's about providing a service that people would buy. That'd be my insecurity uh, of like why not making the lump, not not making the jump 100%. So I don't particularly care about money because I think when you travel lots, you kind of just learn to deal with dwindling bank account or trying to budget as long as possible. And I think I, I don't care making the leap. The, the, for me, it's all personal, don't forget, but like for me, it's just like, what is the thing I can provide that will get people buying that service? That's my thing. Mm. But I guess, yeah, a lot of people would be money. That's the thing. <laughs> Reduce your needs. Because yeah, like things like, for example, a lot of people I speak to are from the US, they just happen to inquire from the US, right? And so obviously yeah. healthcare is a big thing. Yes. And one of the questions I get a lot is like, how do you do healthcare while you're traveling? And I'm like, well, first of all, recognize that the healthcare in your country is not great. And the rest of the world doesn't operate that, that way, way. <laughs> yeah. for the most part, or at least yeah. a not on a such an expensive level. Yeah. So you're pretty much already set with healthcare can't be more expensive wherever you go yeah um there's also safety wing travel insurance which is amazing yeah 42 dollars a month yeah um and it covers you in the whole world <laughs> not sponsored um yeah, same shout out to them then. and i mean that's Cheers. nothing like i told that to a client of mine what i paid i paid a 500 copay for like one consultation i was like no 42 a month you're set like yeah covered all over the world it's all good yeah so that's all of that um and then yeah like car all that stuff it's a need it's not it's not necessary when you're yeah i get you we're speaking the same language <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, i guess i'm glad you talked about that because i think that's a big big part of the change of lifestyle right it's not just about travel and getting your business going it's about changing your lifestyle to accommodate that so i'm glad you go through that uh oh. what else on your business that i haven't talked about uh you've talked a lot about it actually so yeah um basically where can people people find you just to get in contact um yeah, social media website on, let's details hang let's hang out on instagram i am um at jet setter julia yeah uh on instagram come find me there that's where the fam hangs out okay and tiktok you still doing that yep still <laughs> doing it um pushing everybody to to instagram though <laughs> how are you what's that i just like there? it better okay. i like it better because um it it's so funny because when we talked last time i was a diehard tiktok TikToker. Really. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And I have a bigger audience on TikTok. Yeah, you do. Yeah. But I have more of a community on Instagram. Ah. So I'm trying to, like, I think community is so important. And I want to foster that more. So I'm actually putting more energy into my Instagram than my TikTok. Um, yeah. So come hang out on Instagram. And also, it's more, it's like, 
I just love Instagram stories because you can kind of have a dialogue with with people who are following yeah. you and it becomes much more of like a interactive and engaging thing. Um, and I think that that makes it a lot more valuable too for whoever's following. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can just interact directly with each other and that's wonderful. And on TikTok, you can't do that. And all the videos that I put on TikTok, I see that most of them are seen by like 10%. 10% of the views are from my own followers and the rest are from random people. So it's like, it's not, it's a great place to get known for people to like learn who you are. Yeah. But I want to, I want to build my community on Instagram. <laughs> Got so it. Follow on both. Or if you're only going to do one, come to Instagram. <laughs> oh, interesting. And do you have, you don't have a website, right? I do have a website actually. You do? Oh, okay. Yes. What's that? It's jetsetterjulia.com. Okay. I'll put a link in that for yeah. you. And also, I guess you can go on there and sign up to your program. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just a summary, actually. I've got a summary here on, my, on our notes for the, for the podcast. Uh, you sort of cover like hunting for remote jobs and making it your own instead. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the focus on the program really is you making your own remote job. So like okay. building a service-based business that's based around your zone of genius, your skill set, your strengths, your energy, your personality, like your vibe, the kind of people you like spending time with and you would like to work with. It's really like tailor-made and that's what we do in like the first uh, module of your of your time in the course is sort of figure out what is that zone of genius and how can we turn that into something that people will pay to be around. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, that's the next one, the zone of so genius. So jobs is not my, my thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're very anti that. Uh, I like it. <laughs> Zone of genius. You mentioned that just now, so that was the the next bullet point. So you're trying to find that basically. Yeah, because like I said earlier, like one of the biggest things that people come to me with is like, oh, but I don't have any skills, or like I don't know what I would do, or I'm not experienced or qualified, or I've never worked in tech, or I don't know what. And I think these are all um, just limiting beliefs. Like it's it's definitely not the case that that means that you're automatically excluded from being able to live this lifestyle or find work like this, um, because I'm sure that you will have you've been on this earth for a number of years. Like you've gained mm. some experience in something in that time. Um, you have skills. It's just a matter of uncovering it. And it's funny because that zone of genius exercise is so powerful. Like people basically just talk about themselves to me and I read between the lines and say back to them what I'm hearing. And I think that it's rare that we have a space in society where we are granted such time to explore ourselves um, and just have someone listen and then give us back like what they hear. And I will say like, oh, you sound resilient. You sound brave. You sound this, that, the other. And people are like shocked by this. Like I've had a client be like, yo, I've never thought of myself as brave, but like, I guess when you describe it the way you did and like why you said that, like that makes a lot of sense. And so mm -hmm. then they start reframing the way they see themselves too. Um, and that's really exciting because then that's when things start changing. That goes on to the next point of the um, mindset, which I guess is part of that uh, sort of mindset change. Uh, the fear of failure, worthlessness, and worthiness, sorry, worthiness, worthiness, not worthlessness, um, imposter syndrome and all that. So you sort of cover the mindset of <laughs> the change. Yeah, limiting beliefs, abundance mindset. We cover a whole bunch of stuff in there um, in the in the Nomad in the Making framework. Got it. Okay. So I want to summarize uh, the last bit of that. And my last few questions, really, any travel plans in the short and medium term? We're going to Edinburgh on Monday. We're going up to Edinburgh in three, four days, and we're oh. going to be there for a week to see my sister again. And um, then we're going to go actually walk the West Highland Way, which <sighs> will be really cool. Awesome. It's a 100 mile walk from Glasgow to Fort William. Yeah. And we're going to do it in a tent and like old school, totally disconnected and just like walk for a week. <laughs> 
that's brilliant. So that'll be cool, like a nice way to celebrate ending the the launch period. Um, yeah, and then continue. I think we'll probably hitchhike to Isle of Skye and then spend a week there and then hitchhike to Inverness and come back down to Edinburgh from Inverness. Dream. Scotland's so that's a dream. plan for July. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then spend a week in Edinburgh for the Fringe Festival, which I absolutely freaking love. So we'll be there for a week of the Fringe. And then I think at that point, we will slowly start packing our stuff and moving to Italy. Got it. That's awesome. That's a nice little summer you got ahead of, actually. Summer's looking pretty decent. Yeah. I hope yeah, the midges yeah. stay away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I think mine's mosquitoes. So both got problems there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been more of a chat, really, mm-hmm. an interview. So yeah, yeah, it's been great to catch up. Yeah, it has. I've had a blast. Thanks for having me on again. No, anytime. I felt like because you've really progressed this year, no matter in the making, I thought it was important that we have the first episode that we've done was more, yeah, we talk about a lot of stuff in that episode, um, but this is more defined yeah. about what you're offering now to the travel community. So mm-hmm. I think it's best to get you on and have a chat about it. Thanks. Let's do it again in a year. <laughs> yeah. When I'm progressing more. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's, do it in, offer. let's do it in March because March will be <clears throat> an interesting time for me about what happens next. So. Oh my God. Can you give a little teaser? What's happening by, by March? And me going into my business phase, if you like, where I really want to mm-hmm. uh, knuckle down and figure out what the hell I'll be doing. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, just be like an unknown awesome. time. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. Cool. Sounds great. Good luck. End the podcast there. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content and I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there reviewing it and enjoying the content so far stay safe stay humble keep listening keep traveling and I'll catch you soon cheers James